Hello, and welcome to the Austin DeLorme Show. Before I get started today, you know, I just wanted to address uh, the rebranding of the podcast recently. Uh, it was previously um, Dear Teenage Conservatives, but now with uh, kind of going on my own journey and my own political story, I feel like uh, rebranding it just to my name kind of personifies more of what I'm going for um, as a podcaster. And that is also why um, I'm very excited to be sitting today here with um, Lorian Oliver. She is the candidate for the Monroe County chairperson um, in this upcoming Republican leadership contest in New York. Um, one thing I do want to preface, though, before I start, um, I recently have um, become chairman of the Monroe County Teenage Republicans. All views um, on this podcast are independent of that. Um, and Lorraine, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank um, you. I'm excited about here yes, being here with you. Yeah, very happy to be with you. Um, so just before we get started, for someone that's kind of not too involved with politics in the county, or maybe maybe as a little bit as a Republican, how would you describe yourself um, when it comes to your political philosophy and political beliefs and kind of why you wanted to get involved? Well, as someone once said to me recently, I've, I've been a Republican a while, about maybe 10 or 15 years, um, but someone said to me not long ago, Lorraine, I hate to inform you, but you're a conservative. <laughs> and I said, sorry, I'm not. You're a centrist. And they go, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. When I started in politics in the 1990s, in the Independence Party, that party was a fiscally conservative, socially moderate party. But over the last 30 years, politics has moved mm-hmm. farther and farther to the left. Yeah. As the Democrats have moved to the left, the Republicans and the conservatives have come to the center. So I always say, I didn't move, you came to me. Mm-hmm. So now they talk the way we talked 30 years ago. Their policies and the things that they want, we were fighting for 30 years ago. So I'm still a fiscal conservative and a social moderate. Yeah. So you think that kind of in, by today's standards... Um, makes me conservative. I yeah, guess. I was going to say, makes <laughs> you conservative. Make conservative. Yeah. yeah. So I think one of the interesting things is... Um, Previously, I, I've kind of been involved with local politics, and I haven't heard much about you, but after doing some research, I've seen that um, in the past, even when you were with the Independence Party, you ran for some local positions in Greece, um, uh, you became the state chair of the Independence Party, and also um, you were campaign manager for some campaigns, but you also uh, ran for lieutenant governor. Yeah. Uh, it was actually ran a pretty successful campaign in what you would see as kind of the Democrat stronghold in New York. Um, how, how did that kind of shape your uh, beliefs or uh, kind of views and politics running for that position, knowing that it was a really a big uphill battle? It was always an uphill battle as a third-party candidate in New York. Uh, being, by the time I ran for lieutenant governor, it was 1998. My party had already been around four years. So... I was already quite accustomed to working with assemblymen, senators, congressmen, and local candidates. I actually had a, a policy in my party when I first formed it, and we, 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 not by myself, obviously, there were a number of people mm-hmm. that put our bylaws together. But we had something in our party at the beginning that says any candidate that the Independence Party wanted to run in each county, they had to run one Democrat for every one Republican they ran. Oh. So I tried, and they could run as many independents as they wanted. I tried to keep the the party in the center. It didn't work very well. I had to drop that policy because in Monroe State, in Monroe, in New York State, every county has a different 
affiliation. Like, Buffalo has been Democrat for years. Mm -hmm. Republican at that time was controlled by Republicans in Monroe County. Erie County was Democrat. Albany was Democrat. Syracuse was Republican. So the parties in those counties and under the Independence Party ship had to go a little bit left or right mm -hmm. based on it. So what I did learn is that um, there's not much difference between a moderate Democrat and a moderate Republican. Mm -hmm. There really isn't. People think there is. The issues that divide our country today, come from conservative liberal, still divide our country. They still do. That hasn't changed. And moderates, which are always around 70% of the population, are what moderates are. Moderates are a combination of moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans. Yeah. Some people have left their parties, the Democrats, to become non-affiliates mm -hmm. because they're frustrated with the way politics is moving. In the early 90s, when we first got started, the country was about 23 to 24% of the country were non-affiliates. Mm. Today, that number is 47%. Oh, really? So in 30 years, that number has doubled. Wow. In Monroe County, in the early 90s, not only was the Monroe County Party, Republican Party, the strongest in Monroe County, it was the second strongest Republican Party in the state, second to Suffolk. It was flushed with money. Mm -hmm. It had strong leadership. It controlled the county executive, the county legislature, almost all of the, count, the towns. The city was still Democrat. Yeah. It's been forward 25, 30 years. I come back, and the dynamics are totally upside down. Completely opposite. They're not. The Republican Party is no longer not first. It's not even second. It's like at a race for the bottom when it comes to enrollment. <laughs> it's dropping more and more and more. Um, and I have a firm belief on why that's happening. Not just in Monroe County, but in happening in general. And I think in, it, all politics is local. That, yeah. That's always been, I didn't invent that phrase. That phrase has always been around. If I was the chairman of the, of the Republican Party, the first thing I would do, want to do is sell the party. What I mean by selling it is how can you bring people in and, and bring up the enrollment of the party if you don't have anything to sell? Mm -hmm. So... The idea of having a local platform, not a national platform, a local platform designed by the committee people in the party. And there's ways to bring it. I mean, I knew how I did it in the Independence Party. It would just duplicate it. Two to three hundred people come in. We design a local platform. It's a rolling platform. Mm -hmm. Basically means we pick, say, five issues. Yeah. Two years later, we've achieved one of them. We drop one off. We add one on. But it's a rolling platform. If you don't have a local platform... You have no way to go to um, blanks or disaffected Democrats or Republicans that don't have a home anymore. Mm -hmm. You have to give them something. And you can't give them the national platform. So let's design a local platform and get them interested in being involved in the Republican Party, both as committee members, running for office. But if you don't have something to tell them what you stand for, you're never going to bring them back. So I guess the one big thing with that is... Are you worried then by trying to like bring in kind of those moderate people that wouldn't necessarily align with the Democrat Party of today, but would agree with a lot of Republican policies? Do you think that that would maybe make the Republican Party more left or compromise some of our values? No, because I think really what's happened is um, there's an old cliche that's not my father's old Chrysler. Well, <laughs> let's do it this way. The Democrat Party is not your father's Democrat Party anymore either. Mm -hmm. 
Years ago, the Democrat Party was a party of labor by nature, and the Republican Party was big business. Those lines are all blurred now. Yeah. And moderate Democrats, who are normal, who aren't fringe, they don't have a home in their own party either. So they left and they became blanks, or what we call blanks, which is really a non-affiliated voter. Mm-hmm. So the idea of bringing them into the Republican Party seems like a common and a normal thing to think of, the same way that you would bring a disaffected Republican who left. So where did you think the Republicans and the Democrats went? They became non-affiliates. Yeah. Let's bring them back in, but you got to give them a, you got to give them something to dig their teeth into. You have to give them a reason to join your party. So locally, you were saying, um, like in the future, you would try to have some sort of system where it was more inclusive of trying to get like people's priorities locally. Do you think that the party right now, as it stands in Monroe, has failed to do that? Unequivocally, yes. <laughs> it has failed in more than that capacity. I wish I could simply say it has failed in the enrollment. Mm-hmm. They've given up on the enrollment. I'll give you an example. I happened to see Marcassini, who I hope wins, at a uh, 4th of July festival in Arundacoit. Yeah. And I said to him, my God, has cha- things changed. You know, years ago, you would go to an Arundacoit festival and there would be a booth. And in the booth, it would be called the Republican booth. Yep. And there would be, all the people running for office would be housed there so they could meet people. Mm-hmm. There would be people there filling out enrollments, encouraging people to join the party, doing voter drives. They gave up. They've literally given up on enrollment. Now I'll make it even, I'll take it to the next level. Committees. There's no such thing as a party without committee people. Yeah. They are the backbone of a political party. Think of leadership as the person driving the bus. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the bus is the committee people telling you where they want you to. A good, strong leader drives the bus. Committee people are the heart and soul of your party. And this Republican Party, in, for all intents and purposes, is an empty suit. Mm-hmm. I looked at the enrollment, 900-plus committee people. Well, you take out all the husbands and the wives, take out their <laughs> kids and their grandkids, <laughs> then go out and take all the people that work at the town halls or in the DPW department or downtown in the ledges. Take, take everybody who has affiliated jobs out. Yeah. There's nothing left. Mm-hmm. Uh, proof is in the pudding. The convention coming up, you have 900 committee people. Mm-hmm. What do you think the quorum should be for a meeting of 900 people? 50 is the norm, by the way. Yeah. Theirs um, is 10%. Is it really? So only 90 plus people, and that's about all they get, wow. will come and vote. So 90% don't vote. That's a scary thought. That's telling me there's not much out there. Mm-hmm. You need to bring committee people. Without committee people, let's bait. You can't no one to circulate your petition, no one to put your lawn signs up, exactly. no one to encourage their neighbors to run for office or to vote on your line. You need committee people. The party doesn't have a strong committee anymore. So that's the other thing. You go back to people who were once active in the Democrat, Republican, Independence Party, mm-hmm. who used to enjoy politics. Bring them back into the Republican Party give them committee seats, encourage them to get involved again. But if you don't have a platform to bring them in, and without a platform, what do you screen a candidate on? 
I was going to say, how do you vet you, somebody? You don't vet a, you know, you, it seems like right now, oh, I want to run. Okay, do your petition. You're on the ballot. That's about the extent of what I see. Yeah. There's no vetting on where do you stand on anything. They should have a platform. They should pledge to a platform, to a platform and they should get a report card once they're in office. Mm. And did they do what they say they were going to do? This might sound like old-fashioned politics, but it worked. And, and the lot, proof it, is in the it's, pudding. It's popular, too, among a lot of people today because they see, they see what's happening locally or in Albany or in Washington. And all, a lot of these people get elected and don't commit to their promises. I mean, even if you look at, I mean, opposite party, but Joe Morelli, our congressman that represents the Rochester area, you, you see he goes to Albany and or he goes to Washington and there's very little that he does other than naming a post office or getting a, re- a new name for a rep. Like, it's never anything of substance. And I feel like that's what our local party, like you said, is kind of missing. There are other issues, too. You have to build a platform. You have to build a committee. You have to make sure that the people that you run for office are responsible for the platform that you ask them to run on. Mm-hmm. Then you have to raise money. The dynamics of the Republican Party, and I don't have a dog in the fight. That's where I'm different than my opponents. (laughs) Both of my opponents I'm running for, what I see is their downside. Nice gentlemen. I don't want you to think I don't like them. They're nice men. Yeah. They both have full-time jobs. They don't have the time to be a full-time chairman. I have the time to be a full-time chairman. I have the experience. I have trained Chairman and county after county in my lifetime. I know what works and doesn't work. And the desire to be the chairman is not the same thing as the ability to be a chairman. Yeah. And I see that lacking in both the gentlemen that are running. They don't have the experience to take this party and take it out of a hole and turn it around. Why can't you raise money? Well, when you're the losing party, you never raise money. It's always hard. Exactly. But this party seems to have a reputation. Again, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care what happened in the last 20 years. <laughs> but money and where it went seems to be an ongoing argument in the party. Mm-hmm. Who took what, where it went. It didn't go where it was supposed to go. So there's, if you're a contributor, you don't want to give money to a party when you don't know what they're really going to do with the money. Exactly. So you have to have somebody who's trusted at the top and is, isn't a I mean, my, my slogan has always been, and I didn't invent it, by the way. Democrat and Chronicle invented it. Gave it to me when I ran for office one day. <laughs> called me bold and unbeholden. I'm still bold and I'm still unbeholden. Unbeholden, yeah. That's who I am. <laughs> but I believe I have the ability to raise money. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact I have the ability to raise money. But money, they don't even seem to want money. When I talk to people in the Republican Party, their attitude is, why do you want that candidate or that candidate? Well, I play cards with him. He's my friend. Or I've known him a while, and when I ask, they're nice men, what's their plan? How are they going to bring enrollment in? How are they going to raise money? I have a proven record to do it. I'm just going to repeat the record I've always, in the way I've done things before. Mm-hmm. Okay? I want to build a party. They want status quo. So one thing that I've heard locally, at least, when it comes to the party and when it comes to fundraising candidates, you kind of touched on it, too, with, like, when it comes to like, oh, why do you want to vote for this person? Oh, because they're a friend. But at the same time, a friend is only going to get you so far in a fight. You need somebody that is 
unbeholden to an extent that is able to do and say things that necessarily isn't popular, but is the right thing to do. Also, someone that needs to rise above the arguments. Mm -hmm. There seems to be, it's pretty fractionalized, the Republican Party. People don't like the word when I use it. So I'll say, okay, there are a group of people that are loyal to some people, and there's a group of people that are loyal to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the way it looks right now. I have no problem with either groups. Mm -hmm. So I will work with both of you. I will find the best in both of you, but I'm not part of you. I'm not part of your argument, and I don't want to be part of your argument. So I come in with a fresh approach to how to build a party, how to raise money, how to change your your bylaws are terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Big revisions need to be made. Well, I'll give you an example. They have a loyalty clause in the Republican Party. I, I don't understand how a party that's losing committee people has the audacity to throw people out. <laughs> the loyalty clause has some rules in it that says, for instance, if you haven't been to a committee meeting in eight, eight meetings, oh, yeah. we can throw you out. That's, and they do selective enforcement of that. Yeah. If you are run against a Republican or you do this or you do that, some people get penalized, some don't. It's all selective enforcement. When I finally narrowed a leader down to what's the definition of loyalty and don't be coy, tell basically, if we like you, we keep you. If we don't, we get rid of you. So let me see. You want committee people to join a party, and I've yet to meet someone in the Republican committee who have lately mm-hmm. become a committee member who got a copy of the bylaws. So can you imagine joining a club? And not knowing the rules. And don't know the rules. Yeah. A friend of mine ran, um, she asked me to help her out in a county ledger race. At her mini convention she went to, she picked a woman who was a friend of hers to do her nomination. Mm-hmm. known to the girl, she was thrown out because she hadn't been to eight meetings, but nobody bothered to tell her. Really? So, and because they didn't want somebody to nominate. Yeah. So it's all selective enforcement. I went to the same convention. It's a mini convention. Two, two towns were uh, candidates cross party town lines. So yeah. they had to do many conventions. In one room, for one town, the candidate was allowed to speak. The candidate's running. Mm-hmm. In the other one, the candidates were not allowed. And I say, why are there two different rules? Well, because we're going to do it this basically because we're going to do it this way, this, this way, and on that side, we're not going to do it. And I said so to someone, so you just chose to tick off a bunch of committee people. Yeah. Yeah. You set a rule, you stay consistent with your rules. And you don't deviate for who you know and who you like. You either enforce the rule or you don't enforce the rule. If it's not enforceable, get rid of it. And and that's been a, a big thing that I've heard within the party, too, is that the uh, bylaws and the Constitution locally are out of date. And out it's date. very open-ended wording, and there's open-ended clauses that make it up to interpretation for the people in Where leadership. Yeah. Let's talk about something that's really important since I'm sitting here talking to you. Mm-hmm. When I came back and decided to run for county chairman, the first thing I did, like you would do, is research. Yeah. So I took all of the towns and I looked at their websites, if they had one. I looked at their Facebook pages and their other social media, if they had one. <laughs> outdate would be an understatement. Yeah. One, two, three years outdated. Website almost non-existent, barely existent, barely existent yeah. not kept up to date. Try to find out who the town leaders are. Just oh, so try and difficult. find out who the town chairman are, the town leaders are. You can't get it. 
I'm running in this convention on September 21st. Mm-hmm. There are no rules for the convention. They're setting them now because they're not in the current rules. Yeah. I just sent a laundry list of 15 questions, and I included both candidates. I emailed it to the current chairman and put the other gentleman who's running in here. Simple questions. Is it a nominator in two seconds? Do they speak? Who speaks? Is it a runoff election? Yeah. Okay. Is it not a runoff election? All simple questions. It, when you're doing the tally, do I get a spotter in both sections of the room if they're on separate sides of the room? Do I get all the simple things that should be known to a candidate in a set of bylaws mm-hmm. that are not? And the answer I got today is you'll get one by the end of the month. Really? Maybe you'll get it to me the day before. <laughs> Second of all, they want to change bylaws. Yeah. And I understand that they're needed and they've been working on them. Yeah. Bylaws after 31 years, they have 31-year-old bylaws. Say, they're very, very outdated. You need to have a bylaw convention. Yeah. And basically how I would do it if I was chairman, they have a committee that came up with a new set of bylaws. Mm-hmm. Those bylaws should go out to all the town committees and the city committee, and they should have a month to two months, at least one or two committee meetings, to review them. Ask questions, write their questions down, send it back to the county committee, Get the questions answered. For revisions. For revisions. So then when you go into the convention, you're not going to be inundated with amendments on the floor and objections on the floor. You want to have some continuity when you walk in. No. They say we can send them out 10 days ahead of time. So basically you have a 10% quorum with 10 days notice. (laughs) So basically you just want to shove some bylaws down the committee people's throats. And put through an agenda. And put it through with 10% yeah. of a quorum. That's not a political party. That's a club. That's it's, what clubs do. A, com- a political party that's trying to grow, run races, raise money, treats their committee people with respect. That's not respect. And so during your time with the independents and reform parties and seeing how they operated, um, when you see not just locally, but nationally today, the way that the Republican Party is being led. Is there... Because personally, I feel like we've kind of, again, veered to this good old boys club, so to say, especially locally, um, when it comes to making decisions. What would you try to do as a chairwoman that would kind of change... Uh, this like kind of status quo good old boys club and get more diversity within the party. Okay. The one thing I, I, when I started to talk about social media, mm-hmm. if I was chairman and I had the money to, to run the party, first thing I would hire is a full-time IT person. Someone that understands social media, somebody a little bit younger, okay, who's <laughs> yeah. very good at this, to make sure our message is out there. There's not a lot of youth at any level of the Republican Party, and it never has been. Yeah. It's never been a diverse party. Um, the big difference between the Democrat and Republican Party, and the reason the Democrat Party continues to survive, is because of their diversity. And it, it's not just ethnic. It's age, gender, okay, yeah, and special interest. And diversity always comes with special interest. Women are a special interest. Minorities are a special interest. And, you know, labor is a special interest. Mm-hmm. So they, they will survive because they have special interests. 
and special interests are more active because they believe in their interests that they want to get past. The Republican Party has always been the good old boys club, always. Remember I told you I wanted to have a convention of, to create a new platform? Yes. I'll tell you how I would do it. There are, I would take all the towns and the city, and I would divide some type of statistical formula. So many men, so many women, different age groups. Across, so when we did have the convention, there would be people in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s. Men, women, yeah. city. So the people making the platform represent represent the, the dynamics yeah. of the county yeah. and the towns. So the platform that came out would have a little bit of everybody's interest in it. Mm-hmm. So young people, which is the biggest problem in the Republican Party, is the young people aren't joining it. And, and, and they, when they, by the way, when they do join, they seem to be joining more of the conservative end of it, not mm-hmm. the Republican end of it. So we want to give them a party that they can join and they can be proud of and they can have things that they're interested in. Same thing with women. Okay, women don't have a big voice in the Republican Party. Okay, so you need women's voices, you need young people's voices, and you need older people who are... Yeah. But you need a diversity. So the platform committee would be the, the number one place you would start. Mm-hmm. With that, then when you go to do the bylaws committee, you have the same type of input. But if you don't have a cross-reference of your community as committee people and platforms that adapt to a variety group of people, your party's going to become stagnant. Yeah. And the Republican Party is not only stagnant, and as I said in the beginning, it seems like it's on a race to the bottom right now. And as much as I like my opponents, I hear nothing. Except I want to be chairman or... I'm friends with this guy or I'm friends with that guy. And I go, big deal. What are you going to do? And I'm closed out because I'm not part of the boys club. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm kind of a dichotomy in some ways. <laughs> I walk into some committee meetings and some people call me a newcomer and other people call me an old timer. Oh, yeah. You got <laughs> the best of both worlds. Yeah, I'm yeah. an old timer because I've been around a long time and, and, there, and I know the history, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know who Steve Maneric was, or do you? Mm-mm. Okay. Steve Maneric was chairman for quite some time in the Republican Party, and Tom Cook, who was the chairman of the Conservative Party. Mm-hmm. Whether they liked me or not is irrelevant. For the record, they didn't like me. <laughs> All right. And they did everything to get me to not create the Independence Party. But with that said, they were strong and a very effective chairman. Mm-hmm. A little bit too heavy-handed in my book, but yeah. they were what they were for the times. It seems like when they left, I mean, Don Mazzullo is still an excellent chairman in my book, mm-hmm. for the record. But the, Democrat, the Republican Party just then went to leadership stayed out of leadership roles and just handpicked people they could control. And that control mechanism is what's destroyed the party. You can't have a leader that's controlled, or you don't have a leader. And something that I see kind of nationally is when certain races come up, it feels like the party gets to a point where we're recycling people to run because we can't find youth or we can't find women or we can't find this new section of young Republican conservative people to be able to lead within the party. And I think that's one of the striking things that I've seen in this leadership contest, but also a more national trend is we're starting to get this new generation such as like what I'm trying to do on Monroe, of people saying, well, we want to be part of the conversation if you'll let us, if you'll let us be part of the conversation. That's one of the pivotal things um, 
not just within the Republican Party, but Democrat But see, Party. the organization you're part of, the Republican teen organization, mm-hmm. when your people in your organization that are old enough to vote yeah. should have one seat on, a, on an executive committee. There should be some input. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't, the party doesn't belong to my generation. It belongs to the youth. The youth needs to get involved now. And I understand that younger people need to learn. Everybody needs to learn. Everybody starts off as a novice. Nobody starts off trained. Yeah. Okay? But we need to start training and mentoring younger people to take over the Republican Party and bring it into the 21st century Mm because it seems like it's sitting back in the last year. Yeah. It really does. I mean, I look at the Republican Party today and what it was in the 90s, and I go, nothing changed. Except that it's giving up. Yeah. It seems like they're giving up. Now, I meet wonderful people so far. I've met a wonderful, a lot of committee people that have said to me, please, Laureen, don't give up. Run. We need your kind of leadership. I hear that a lot from people. My problem is I'm not part of the old boys club, and I don't play cards with them. Okay? <laughs> Though I do play cards. Yeah. For the just record. Just not with them. Just not with them. I just don't play cards with them. Yeah. <laughs> if they let me in the card game, maybe I could win the chairmanship. I started laughing. Hey, you never hey, know. what a thought. <laughs> let me start my own little card club. But, and... I hear that from people, mm-hmm. and 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 I think it's because the leadership that the party needs exists outside of the chairmanship. Yeah, and they're picking people, the leadership in the party that really believes they have control, are picking people they can control, mm-hmm. and that's what's hurting the party. So, when we talk about. Um, Again, a little bit about the Independence Party. So when I was doing some research for this, um, I I found out that actually uh, our governor right now, Kathy Hochul, banned the use of the word independence when it comes to political parties in New York. And I I kind of found that mind-boggling. First of all, when we started the Independence Party, the, 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 the joke in the Independence Party, and the laugh on the Democrat and Republican Party back in those years. Mm -hmm. They went after us for everything. Everything. The first one was we didn't have the right to substitute. When when Dick Rosenbaum dropped off the line when we did our first petition, they said as a party that didn't have ballot status, we didn't have the right to substitute. Which we fought it in court, we got the right to substitute. But they never went after the name. Yeah. We laughed at them. It was the biggest joke in my party. It was <laughs> half the country wouldn't allow the word independent or any derivative of the word independent. Yeah. And they didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. So for the next 30 years, they beat us up on the name, said, people don't know they joined your party. Yeah. Now, granted, I stayed 10, 12 years active in my party. And there was nobody that didn't know what my party stood for. Mm-hmm. Tom Golisano spent... Over a hundred million dollars of his own money, telling people what we stood I for. Say, I think platform. people knew what we stood yeah. for. Okay. After I left, and the party, the party got out of control, which made me very unhappy. Actually, mm-hmm. I left my party on purpose because my party was starting to get sold out. Yeah. In different towns, which it is what it is. Didn't like it, but the name was great, and I believe that now that there are only two states left that allow cross-endorsements, I think the the whole third-party um, future in New York is pretty dismal. Yeah. Um, you better have a billionaire and a lot of people Yeah. if you want to get a third-party off the ground in New York. And you've never been afraid of 
grassroots organizing, what no. I've seen. You, you didn't ask me. You know what? Yeah. I started it, by the way, before I ran for Greece Supervisor. And I started United We Stand with a bunch of, you don't know what United We Stand is. Okay. When <laughs> Ross Perot ran in 92. Yeah. He created a huge database. Mm-hmm. Millions of people in the country. We had a huge database here. So we started a local chapter with like 15,000 people at United We Stand. Oh, wow. I was the chairman of that one, and we had a nice newsletter. <laughs> it was from there that I ran for office. Oh, so that was the launch pad. That was my launching pad. Okay. And I used that launching pad to build the Independence Party. Now, one thing oh. you don't know, there are 16,009. I tell you the exact number, 16,009. <laughs> former Independence Party members in Monroe County. That you don't know about that I do. And the Republicans don't know about. And I I cross-referenced that list to my original list. I I know know who of those 16,000 know who we are. They would be the first people I would go to. Because they need to be told that that there is a place for them. Now, I'm never going to promise anybody I'm going to get them all in, obviously. But I've got some place to go. All right? And I think... I really believe this, by the way, or I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't even say it. I believe I could make Monroe County a template for every Republican party in the state on how to build a party. Really? Well, I built a party. Yeah. Not only did I, we, I don't say me alone because nobody ever does anything alone, but I was chairman of a party that we built. And in 94, there were a lot of minor parties, by the way. They didn't have status, so Yeah. There was the Greens, the Libertarians, the Right to Life, the Communists. Yeah. Okay, the Conservative, the Liberal. Conservative and Liberal had ballot status, though. We went from nothing to the fourth line on the ballot and bumped everybody mm-hmm. in the first election. Four years later, when the Conservative Party had had the third line on the ballot for over 30 years, we bumped them down and we took the third line on the ballot. People say to me, oh, you were after the Conservative Party. That's a lie. The Independence Party was never after the third line on the ballot. We wanted the first line on the ballot. <laughs> That's a myth. Yeah. I do believe that there are enough of my old party left to resurrect them in every county. If it's done through the Republican Party and it's done in a way that's inclusive and a little bit more centrist. Those centrists is now not needed because... I believe with the Republic I wouldn't join the Republican Party if I didn't think it was centrist. Yeah. I watch what it does nationally. We always wanted term limits, mm-hmm. um, campaign finance reform, which is what you're hearing about now. That was our Everywhere, platform yeah. then. Yeah. Okay? Still our still what I believe in. I have not changed it. Mm-hmm. I think that message can be sold. And it's- but it's gotta be sold by someone they'll listen to. And it's kind of that old Reagan saying of, I didn't leave the party, the party left me. Right. And that kind of mentality of, it can be done. It's just not easy. And that's that's the biggest part is that when something's not easy, people don't want to try it. You know, I've always been taught growing up, like, if you want something to get done, you better do it yourself. Because you know you should not be waiting for other people to make those changes for you. And you haven't brought up the one thing that people have asked me a lot about. So let's just discuss Tom Colasano. <laughs> um, there aren't many, 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 many men in the world like Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the best thing that ever happened to the Independence Party. Uh, Tom is obviously a supporter of mine. 
Yeah. Okay. I have told Tom, as well as I've told everybody else, would I ask Tom to contribute to the Republican Party? Yes. Have I? No. Would he? Probably. <laughs> but I would never, ever allow the Republican Party to get money just from Tom Golisano. Never. One, I wouldn't be an effective chairman. Because you can't put all your eggs in one basket. One basket, yeah. What I would like is Tom and other people like Tom to bring money in and have Tom do something with that. Maybe match it, give us some kind of startup money. I haven't gone through all the details with Tom. Yeah. I will, but only if I become chairman will I. I'll sit down and talk to him. He has publicly told people, yes, I'll support her. I'm not going to lay the details out because I haven't laid the details out with yeah. him. Yeah. Okay, he has asked me how much money I need to run the party. I said, well, we're going to talk about that when I win, and if I win, then we're going to sit down and decide who we're going to go after. Mm-hmm. And you can contribute, but cannot be you alone. And I think that's... It'll look like we're hijacking the Republican Party, and I don't want that to look like I was going like to say, that. that's a concern. I feel like that some people do have within the party is that they don't want it to become that all the eggs in one basket control. And it's Lorene and Tom's party. Yeah. That's why I said I would be chairman, and I would ask Tom for all the help he wants, but it cannot be Tom alone. Mm-hmm. Cannot. And that's one of the things that makes, especially the good old boys club, uncomfortable is that that possible opportunity of having a new partnership. It, it's it's bold. It's a bold. It's definitely a bold. Um, it's intimidating though to, to too many people. Yeah. It's intimidating. The old boys club in Rochester likes the status quo, mm-hmm. and even if it's dying, it's like I'm going down with the ship mentality, mm-hmm. and I'm like, take a chance. If committee people don't take a chance, I'm the, I, I don't plan on being chairman forever, you know. My deal <laughs> is I want to be chairman for two years. During those two years, I want to help rebuild the party, put it back on the right course, and find the right leadership to take it over. Okay? Bring the new people in. Bring more diversity into the party. Okay? And more women. More mm-hmm. younger people. More people that were once disaffected from the, from the Democrat and the Republican Party. Yeah. Some people actually get upset when I say disaffected Democrats. Why? What's wrong with getting a moderate Democrat to join the Republican Party? They don't yeah. have a home in their party anymore. I know a lot of friends that are Democrats. They hate their party. They, they, don't, like, they don't like what they see. Well, it's become this not... It's not the Democrat Party that it used to be, like you said before. It's changed so much, and especially... Now, if they have this far left ideology to it, almost of focusing on like radical policies when it comes to immigration or when it comes to education or when it comes to pushing certain ideology on children, I mean, it's coming to a boiling point that even sensible Democrats or people that have been lifelong Democrats for 50, 60 years are now saying this again. The parties are starting to shift. I have many Democrat friends that have told me they will not vote for Biden anymore. Okay, they're going <laughs> to yeah. vote for a Republican. Those are the type of people you want to bring into the Republican Party. People that are disaffected, un- unhappy, but still have a civic duty and who are patriotic. Mm-hmm. I mean, since when is a flag and patriotic a bad word? Yeah. Okay, no. It, it's a good <laughs> word. Yeah. And, we, and we should. And young, again, younger people, I mean... The, if you look at the age demographic, oh my lord! If you look at the age demographics of the Republican Party in Monroe County, they're pretty old. Yeah, they're going to die eventually, and they're not going to be anybody <laughs> to take over the party. So they better bring some young people in. But all they seem to be bringing in are their wives and their children, and all they are are placeholders as committee people. They're not active. 
and that's why one of the big things I bring up when I go to town committees is, you know, the age demographic for young people that vote Democrat in national elections for president, it's usually in the low to mid 60 percentile for the Democrats and the low 30 percentile for Republicans. We're getting this rapid growth of people that are voting third party. I think it's up to 6% during the last election, one of the largest amounts uh, since obviously 96 election. And it becomes to the point where youth want to get involved. And that's the thing that I always say so often is people say, oh, well, young people, they don't want to get involved. Well, they don't know how to get involved. And one of the big things that I've seen is when I have conversations with my friends or people at school and we actually talk about the policies they say well i'm a democrat and then we talk and they're like oh actually maybe maybe i'm not a democrat maybe i am a republican and i go why do you think that and they say because of one issue and it's always one issue picked out of a basket of issues that they think makes them a democrat whether that's the environment why don't they take the one issue that makes them a republican isn't that interesting I know. It's, it's, um, because the Democrat Party has always pushed the buttons on passionate issues. Okay? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't just abortion. It was gays in the military, prayer in school, all the things. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you an example of, um, I said this on a show. I'm not saying I'm taking a stand on this. A stand on this. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that this is something the Monroe County Republican Party should think about. For a long time, the Democrat Party has tainted the youth of our country at the academical at the college level. Mm-hmm. They seem to bypass high school now. They're right to grammar school. Yeah. So our young children in grammar school are being sadly affected. Yeah. By things that they shouldn't be even taught at this age yet, or even talked about. So I said, the Democrats help and support school board candidates. Why doesn't the Republican Party support and endorse school board candidates? Now, some people tell me, oh, my God, no, Lorraine, we can't do that. Yeah. And other ones say, oh, yeah, we should. Well, my question is, that's a platform issue. That should be what's voted on in a platform. Should we or shouldn't we? And but it shouldn't it. be left off the yeah. no discussion about it. Why aren't we discussing it? We need to make it consistent. It should be. Yeah. yeah. And, and we should. And... I I prob- I would be a proponent. I think we should help anybody who wants to push a Republican agenda. And that's one thing. I go to school in Hilton that uh, I found interesting was we had a candidate and she was uh, backed by the Federation of Women. And there was a lot of discussion around whether that was the right move at the time for Republicans to be backing uh like a subsection group to be backing someone for school board. And it was this like hot topic conversation. But to me, it's, it's common sense. It's, it, it's a public office. Why, why, do, why does anybody endorse a candidate? Think about it. Why does the fire department, the police department, the Gannett newspaper, anybody, mm-hmm. why does any organization endorse a candidate? They endorse a candidate. They think subscribes to their philosophy. It's yeah. that simple. Okay. So if there's a candidate running for school board, who is a Republican and supports Republican philosophy, and you, why would you not support that man on a school board? 
And the so you're is, just going to let the Democrats and the unions take all the school boards? I don't understand the logic. But that wouldn't be my decision as chairman. Mm-hmm. Even though I would support it and I would vote yes, if the, the party voted no, I'd but support what the party yeah. does. But the point I made, it should be brought up. And I think the interesting point to that is, too, party's not going to endorse people that don't want to be endorsed either. If if somebody's running for a school board position happens to be more conservative and says, hey, we don't really want to get too political in this race, we're just trying to run, then we respect then the candidate's in, decision. Don't come to the endorsement. It, exactly. But they do come, I've heard. Yeah, I've yes, heard this over and over in different towns where there's been arguments at, county commi- at town committee levels about whether we should or we shouldn't. Again, I'm not saying we should or we shouldn't. I'm saying the committee as a whole... Mm-hmm. On a platform committee, should make that decision. You know, when I when I first decided I was going to run for county chairman, I was at a town meeting, and I wasn't planning on speaking or anything. Someone remembered, somebody recognized me in the room and said, "Lorraine, you know, what do you think about this mm-hmm. issue?" And I got up and I asked a simple question. It was simple to me because I think things differently. <laughs> I asked the question of the town leader. Prior said, prior to campaign season starting, before you did the nominating process, mm-hmm. when the town leaders got together with the county chairman to discuss the campaign strategy for the year, what did you decide on? And people laughed at me. I said, what are you laughing at? They said, we don't do that. I said, and then you wonder why one town doesn't get along with another town. And they're getting mad because you're running a race here that crosses into another town. Yep. You're supposed to be a leader of a party. A leader is supposed to bring people in and, people together, and set yeah. strategy. The idea that everybody's off doing their own thing, no wonder the party has lost its way. And I think, I think there's a balance, though, with that, um, with Republicans wanting to make sure that we keep government local and we keep certain decisions to the town committees. But like you said... If a seat times. Com- but if a seat's going to cross town lines, exactly, or there's a county-wide race. Now, you know what the Democrats did this this year by not endorsing anybody on the west side of the town, county. They're suppressing the mm. Republican vote. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it was a secret. Oh no, <laughs> so I don't think so either. <laughs> what was your strategy behind it? What were you going to do? So this is the question I'm asking. Leadership is not in the party. Leadership's on the kind of like on the outside of the party controlling the leaders in the party. Mm-hmm. And you now, therefore, don't have any real leaders. <laughs> and then it becomes hard at the end of the day. To and then leaders. those people that look like they're leaders aren't obeying what the people that put them in there want them to do. And then there's another infighting. And it's this constant, again, faction upon faction upon faction, which it, it, it's mind-boggling to me because, again, as somebody that is, from a semi-outside perspective, looking at everything, it seems like if we focused more on campaigns, grassroots organizing, getting people in committees, being able to have more discussions when it comes to the top and leadership, and we stopped fighting with each other and creating our own little party within a party, that we'd be able to start winning elections. Well, but you need someone at the top of the... You need mm-hmm. someone at the top that isn't beholden to any of the factions. Mm-hmm. One, I tell people all the time, I'm not beholden. I'm bold enough to say what has to, what has to be said, whether people want to hear it or not. Sometimes they don't want to hear it, <laughs> but I'm not going to lie to people. And 
I'm not part of anybody's faction. Okay? I'll work with... I'll work with... I think there's a third side, by the way. There's, people think there's two factions. Yeah. There's a third. Those are the silent majority. The ones that aren't saying anything. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how... If I can get those people to talk, come to an election, and vote. Because these two sides are just going to pick their guy and go play cards. Yeah. And at the end of the <laughs> I day... I like that. Go play cards. I was going to say, at the end of the day... I can open a poker game. Change. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, why don't you? That'll, that'll start making some change. You got a pool table, we have a pool game. I know, we can have a pool game. Everybody, <laughs> everybody will be invited. Yes. No, but once we finally get to that place, um, I think the county will be in a better place and we can start to... And I've been asked by both sides. Both sides have come to me and said, I want to work with you. What they want is they want my knowledge on how to get something done and how to raise money and how to get... And I, I've told them unequivocally, it won't work if I do it that way. I'm taking a second seat to either gentleman who has a full-time job, and I have to tell them every day what to do, it won't work. I'll work with them. If you make me the chairman, I'll work with both of you. But the idea that you're working full-time, and another thing, I'm firm, a firm believer that no elected official ever should be a chairman of a party. Chairman or a vice chairman, they should never be elected because then I don't know who you're working for. I was going to say, do you find it hard not running or holding a political office right now to be able to get out and campaign to these committees? Because a lot of a lot of committee members know um, who's running for leadership sometimes based on if they're running for county ledge, if they're right. running for a town position. But how are you a supervisor of a town or a legislator, you know, or any job? Mm-hmm. You don't have the time, so. You're, you're, you're a town supervisor in Clarkston. When you make a decision, is it based on Clarkston or is it based on the county? So you have a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. And eventually your voters in your town are going to know it. Yeah. So I don't believe elected officials should be, ever be a chairman of a party. It's an interesting take. Yes. That is an interesting take. This has been wonderful. Yes, it has been wonderful. Uh, Thank you, Laureen, for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Um, and you have a future. Yeah, yeah, thank you very yes. much. I appreciate it. it was, I hope I live long enough to see you as a senator. Uh, oh, God. Oh, God. One day, maybe. Hey, there are, maybe. There are younger, there are, there are a lot of 18 and 20-year-olds that become mayors of city and county legislators. I mean, I knew a county legislator made it at 21 years old. So there are people. So you, you have what it takes, and you're learning a lot. Thank you. I appreciate thank it. Yes. Maureen Oliver, thank you very much. I appreciate it.